0: High streets in a little bar right next to the Chinese.
1: I'm Matty Farrell, and thanks for listening to In The Weeds Podcast. This is the second in the series of Humans of Bull Street Coffee, a focus on some of the wonderful guests that make the shop what it is today and epitomize the eclectic community of Bull Street itself. This week, I am joined by Carrie-Anne Hayden, who you've just heard singing on the intro of the episode. I uh, didn't want to be talking over that, This so it's a great tune. and to be played in full. It's obviously a very talented musician, um, Bowl Street is very close to her heart, if you listen to the lyrics carefully. Um, but she's also a forward-thinking yoga practitioner and also an avid O-flat white drinker. Throughout the episode, we look at the importance of gratitude, personal growth, evolution, and ways in which you can take an holistic way of thinking throughout these difficult times and beyond. And also look at Karianne's musical influences. So the episode also features two songs uh, written by Anne. In the intro is San Francisco, and on the back end of the episode, there's a song called Not Tonight. So hope you enjoy this one, guys. Thanks for listening again. Hi, guys. Welcome back to episode seven of In The Weeds podcast, season two. Today, I've got Ann Hayden. It's our second episode of Stay Caffeinated, which is a focus on Humans of uh, Bold Street Coffee. How are you today?
0: Good, thanks. You?
1: Very good. Thank you, yeah. Well, thanks for coming on. We are. Well, we did the first episode with Carl um, about the interesting characters that are that, <laughs> that come into Bold Street Coffee. Of which there her- are many. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Do you- so first of all, do you want to tell the audience a little bit about who you are first, and then we'll get into that.
2: Yeah, um, I'm not originally from Liverpool. I moved here about 15 years ago and instantly fell in love with it and the people. Um, I actually think Bold Street Coffee was the first cafe I ever went into in Liverpool, but it was Coffee Union then.
0: Yeah.
2: Right. Yeah. Um, obviously, the coffee wasn't as good, but it was a vibe. <laughs> Bold Street was a vibe, so it sort of lured me in and I never left. But I came here to study music at Lippa. Um, which I carried on doing for a good 10 years. And then that sort of ended up getting changed for yoga, teaching yoga, and that's what I've done for the last eight years in and around Liverpool. So that's what I'm up to now.
1: Where are you originally from?
2: Worcestershire in the West Midlands Mm. on the River Severn. It's like a little town where it's good to grow up in and grow old in, but maybe you want to escape in the middle.
1: (laughs) Okay. (laughs) <laughs> and, you know it, it, you know in the the window of bullshit coffee you know the strip in the middle of the window if you take that yeah. strip off the coffee union strip is still underneath it
0: is it <laughs>
1: <laughs> <Yeah>.
0: yes <laughs>
1: it is yeah I, um, I remember that we used to go in there as well so obviously been going to the shop a long time i'd say you in there most days what what do you feel that obviously coffee and Coffee and community are a big thing at the moment and people meet and what does it mean to you?
2: You know what, it means a lot to me. I think if you're not a big drinker, coffee's kind of like that great bit where you can go in the middle of the day on your own, especially if you freelance like I am, and not feel intimidated about arriving somewhere on your own. It's not somewhere you're gonna necessarily have a meal or get hammered. It's somewhere you can easily just sit on your own and read a book, but equally start saying hello to a complete stranger and have a mad conversation that you never thought you'd have in that day. Like There's been so many surprise encounters in Bold Street Coffee where, with people of all different ages, from all different backgrounds, that I wouldn't have got a chance to meet. Because I think in society, the way it is now, we, we do tend to isolate ourselves a little bit or within our own family units. And so if you don't have family here, um, for me, that sense of community that can be formed in a place like Bold Street Coffee has really kept me going over the years because it can be quite lonely when you work for yourself. You go from, I'll go from working in an office in my house to being in a room full of people practicing yoga where I'm essentially just telling them what to do. So it's not an exchange as much, it's an exchange of energy but it's not so much social on, on a balanced level. So for me, cafe culture in general has been has been really important in my life. And for so many other people that I meet as well, that, you know, there's an um, amazing guy, John Montgomery, yeah. who I think everyone knows who <laughs> have been to Bullshit Coffee. I just don't know how we would have met. And I've had some of the most amazing conversations with him. Mm. And I know for him, it's like a haven, especially at the moment in his yeah. life. Um, and that makes me feel really enriched, actually, being able to connect with someone on that level.
1: Yeah, so
0: it's,
1: it's massive. I think it's yeah. massive. He's a cool guy. It, he it, is. So 15 years you've been in Liverpool, would you consider yourself an adopted scouser?
0: <laughs> yeah, absolutely.
2: <laughs> yeah, definitely. From the second I got out of the car, um, I was lost. My um, The first time I came to uh, Liverpool was for an audition for Lipper. Okay. And at the time, my dad was doing author in school days. So he basically would go all over the UK and do writing workshops with kids. And he's renowned for just being late all the time. But obviously, do didn't really get away with that in school. So he basically kicked me out in Birkenhead oh. and flagged down a bus. This is the sort of shit my dad does on the reg. Flagged down a bus, and was just shoved me in it. It was like, that's going to Liverpool City Centre. <laughs> anyway, somewhere way away from Lippa, had no idea where I was. And this woman, probably in her 50s, just took me under her wing, gave me a full tour and walked me with all of her shopping all the way up to Lippa and dropped me off at the front door. And I was like, yep, <laughs> yeah. this is where I need to be. No, yeah. So yeah, definitely adopted from day one, I think.
1: That's cool. And what, so what, what do you drink when, when you're in the shop? What's your coffee of choice?
2: I think everyone in the shop knows what I drink, but it's an oat flat white. <laughs> it's like they're already doing it while when I'm walking up to the counter. Great. It feels like cheers. I feel like this is the closest I'm ever going to get to cheers. <laughs> <laughs> I sing the theme tune sometimes when I walk in.
1: <laughs> and how many do you have a day?
2: I've had to um, rein it in. There was one year I was doing my tax return, and every other outgoing was Bold Street Coffee. And I was like, "I think you're in trouble. I think you've got a problem." So now I've got a bit of a home set up on the go. So I'll have one at home and I will have one in Bold Street Coffee. But yeah. I used to have up to a four a day.
1: Yeah, that's a lot. So that
2: sends me absolutely wild now. So it's not an option.
1: If I see you, I'd know you're associated with music and yoga. What's your first love?
2: Music is 100%. Music. My every love. It's my... I might even go as far as to say my reason for living. <laughs> it's wow. its just the pulse within me at all times. I don't know if there's ever not music in my head. And that's been for as long as I can remember. As soon as I could talk, I would sing. And it wasn't that pleasant, actually, at the time. <laughs> but, but um, yeah, me, music is everything to me. It's like... If I'm in a certain mood, it can it can help me go into it even more. Or if I want to get out of a mood, it, I can make sure it'll get me out within a couple of seconds. It'll energize me. It'll calm me down. It's everything, yeah.
0: I'm but working. I have
2: woven that into teaching yoga as well. Okay. So it's sort of amalgamated the two loves of, which isn't just uh, yoga. It's movement as well. I love to move in all different ways. So... <laughs> that goes hand in hand with music, really.
1: Okay, you want to explain a little bit more how you've amalgamated the two together?
2: Well, most of my regular students will also tell you that they they listen to my playlists on Spotify, and that's because I'll make playlists on Spotify that I can teach to, because Mm. if I have the fluidity of the music in the background, it's that connection for me, that final connection that's needed within that space where there's a lot of energy on the go and I'm having to talk constantly and move and it sort of focuses me, but it also brings everyone in the room together under a beat in a way. Mm
0: -hmm. And
2: I think that that's like, can be a continuous factor for people that keeps them grounded within that practice. If they're feeling a little overwhelmed or, you know, it's new to them. There's something about that flow of the music that, that helps. I mean, I can only speak for myself, but I would say I can, I can feel that in the room when I'm teaching, that it helps. Um, and I sometimes sing as well at the end of a class when they're all totally zoned out. And, that, and like, it will be, there's something for me in, there's like an energy release that needs to happen often for people that are going 100 miles an hour and they've allotted this hour in their day to try to connect and let go of some shit and often they're ready to let go but they're they're sort of not used to being able to let go so they're they need just that final push to just be able to release the negativity that they're holding and I found that if you get it at the right time and you sing a cappella that's the thing that's the thing they need and people like men have started crying and I know it shouldn't be a goal to make people cry from singing but then they'll come up to me at the end of a class and they'll say in a bit embarrassed actually I haven't cried for 10 years and I'm like that's a travesty that you haven't cried for 10 years and it's a very human thing that we all need to do whether you're male or female and you need to just let that out of your there's a reason it's come to the surface you need to let it go And it's a beautiful thing. You should just keep crying for twenty minutes, and you know. So I found there's little ways you can bring music in to help help people just get rid of that last bit of stagnant energy that they're holding on to. Really,
1: that's good. So it's third wave yoga, isn't it? Your
2: yeah.
1: How have you had to adapt that for kind of what's been going on? Obviously,
2: I mean, all I've done, all I feel like I've done since April is adapt. Mm. In so many in so many different levels and ways, and the adaptation is constant because the environment's ever changing like as every ever, as it is for everyone there's, it hasn 't stayed the same since april really we 've had all these different versions of lockdown so I went from obviously i 'm self employed but I have consistent work within that self employment. Um, and I don't get any benefits, no holiday pay, no sick pay, nothing like that. It's, it's obviously all on me to bring the money in as and when I work, how much I work. And so overnight, I lost my entire income. Um, and I didn't know at that point whether the self-employed were going to get any help. So I, I went into a, a bit of a panic because I was just like, hang on a minute, I don't even know how I'm going to pay the bills in a month once the money I've got at the moment runs out. Um, And I had some savings, very little, but they could have maybe kept paying the mortgage for the next two months. And the, the choice was either I keep hold of them or I invest in a website. And then if that website doesn't work, then I've literally got nothing. But I took the risk and I can't believe the response I had it was just incredible just absolutely blew my mind I had like a hundred people sign up within two weeks and I just couldn't I'd worked so hard to get it up and running it's like a month really non-stop recording and right before I've got this running thing where I just don't believe in myself enough I've always had it and Kira, my friend, was living with me, and she was designed a lot, and I was like, do you know what, I, I don't even know who I think I am. I'm not doing, I can't do this, and I don't spend the money and everything, I was like, I can't, I don't know what I'm doing. And she was like, you're mental, this is going on, whether you want it to or not. And then the response was just incredible. So, yeah, I've just been so much gratitude for that crew that believed in me and signed up, really.
1: Yeah, no, definitely. The website looks great, by the way.
2: Thank um, you.
1: I was having a look at some of um the recipes on the yesterday. Are they are they are they ones that you've put up yourself? Yeah. Now, I know it's obviously are you, are you vegan or vegetarian? No,
2: I'm not. No? I'm not anything as far as I generally go for everything in moderation
1: mm-hmm. and I
2: try to listen to my body. I, do, I am I was vegetarian for 11 years from the age of 9 um to my early 20s. Yeah. And I actually got very ill. Um, I think, especially as a woman, you go through a lot of changes through your life, and if you if you're not getting the nutrients you need through those changes, it really does affect you. Um, and so I'd know, like, I was really, really run down. I was actually overweight. I had no energy. My mental health was low. And um, for me, the key was actually introducing meat back into my diet. But I know that's not for everyone and it's not actually necessary for everyone so I do think it has to be an individual choice and none of us should judge anyone else for their individual choices you know it has to be um it has to be right for your body but the only thing I do try and do is source any meat I have responsibly and in moderation I don't go all in on it I think there's probably a balance that can be struck with that but a lot of the food I do eat is vegan, just because I don't I don't drink or eat dairy um, for moral reasons. I don't like the dairy industry um, and I very rarely eat wheat, that's just a personal choice. So often people assume I'm vegan because I'll go and order an oat flat white and then they have a heart attack when I also order like a side of meat. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> Um, and it is mad how many people assume if you're a yoga teacher, you are also vegan.
1: Yeah.
2: It happens a lot in society at the moment. You know, if you're one thing. People assume you're all these other things as well and that's your identity. But in fact, I, I've never been a vegan. So I try and go for that all in moderation.
1: No, I, I agree with you. There's, there needs to be yeah. a lot of understanding from both sides. I think I think there's a, there's a lot of forcefulness about that. You know, veganism and things like that, where really, you know, like you say, it's not going to change if people want to eat meat. If people, uh, I think people should respect that as well. But obviously, you need to think responsibly along those lines as well.
2: Yeah. And I actually don't think really extreme, like when I was a vegetarian, I never once, and I, I remember this, I can go through all the years, I never once shamed anyone for not being a vegetarian ever. Because I had my reasons for being vegetarian. I'd discuss it with people if they asked me what my reasons were. But I don't think it helps in anything, not just veganism, but anything where you're very extreme and rigid and you tell people they should be too because then you're telling people what to do. And normally that's going to be, someone's going to respond with a kickback. Whereas if you can say, oh, maybe you could try just eating less, it might you might feel better that's like a negotiation and something and also easier to achieve you know if you love meat but you wanna you're worried about a lot of meat consumption a middle ground is probably something more achievable to aim for to start with and then see how you feel yeah but that like extreme push i think is is a is a problem throughout society on lots of topics. Yeah. To be
1: honest. No, yeah, definitely. Are you think? What about making some of these online and doing a bit of uh, chefing online?
2: <laughs> <laughs> that was I think that was like my first ambition to have a you know those shows. I don't know if there's so many of them anymore. I don't really watch TV, but there's someone they were aimed at. Different ages, and someone would make a cake on telly and oh, they'd yeah. talk to you through what they're doing. Me and my friends used to reenact that and pretend we were doing these shows. <laughs> so I think it was probably my first ambition to do that. But I'm a bull in a china shop in oh, the yeah. kitchen. I'm not sure anyone wants to see that one. <laughs>
0: no.
2: I think it'd just be erratic. But um, we thought me, and my friends um Gabriella run retreats abroad. Right. And um We've got quite a similar uh, vibe with how we put recipes together, and it's very much done on taste and feel. And we very rarely follow a recipe book. Um, and as a result, the people that come on a retreat have r- routinely ask us if we'd do, if we'd actually do a book together. Okay. Um, but it's quite. We find it quite difficult because we very rarely measure anything. So it's. So it's about, it's sort of that thing of we'd have to sit down and really think about the amounts of things we put in stuff um, and then transfer it, which is why there's actually not that many recipes on my um, website. At the moment, I'm working on it, but because each time I have to be like, okay, well, how many how many grams did I use? Because I've got no idea. Um, but yeah, that's another love of mind, mind cooking. It's one of those... I go into quite a meditative state while I'm making food.
1: Obviously, the lockdowns and restrictions are causing a lot of issues to people's sort of mental aware, mental state, mental awareness. And I find that, like you said before, there seems to be a lack of understanding for a lot of people, mm. uh, what they're going through. Where do you stand on on kind of moving forward? Obviously, more of a holistic way of thinking.
2: Yeah, I think it's it's quite difficult to, um, to sort of plan how you move forward because no one really knows what the future holds at this point. And I think that unknown is causing a lot of unrest and it's also causing a, lack, a complete lack of control, which we're not actually used to, especially not in Western culture. We're not used to not being in control of our lives. And so that in itself causes... Um, a lot of unrest internally and externally. Um, and I think the hardest thing at the moment, the hardest challenge is we don't really know what's going to happen. And so usually what we do, what humans do in crisis, is you think in timelines of when things get easier, but nobody actually knows. And I think that's why now more than ever, people are struggling um, with mental health because they're going through all of that. And in a lot of cases they're isolated from the people they love and also they can't distract themselves. And a thing I'm very aware of and try to avoid myself, I'm not always successful at it, but, um, our society, our Western culture is really set up for still for living for the weekend and living to escape. Full, it's, it's focused a lot on escapism so when we can't escape which we can't right now we have to go in and actually look at our lives and look at our mental health and look at what's going on within us and most people have avoided doing that their whole life so it's massive but actually it has potential I think for real growth and evolution because we should be doing that we should be encouraged to do that more Um, I think especially men are never encouraged to do it, ever. They're told to like man up and all those other detrimental sayings, like don't cry like a girl and all that stuff. And um, although women obviously have it very hard for lots of reasons, they are at least encouraged to emote. And I don't think men are. And so I think we're faced right now with this for the first time really, possibly ever, where everybody is having to look inward and look at their life and say, okay, am I actually all right within myself without those external factors? Which is going to go both ways. So it could be a process of evolution or it can it can, it could end up being very detrimental to people because they've just not had to do it before. So... I don't want to sound like i out no, no. of hope for this, as I'm not, but I do think community now, whether we can physically be together or not, is essential mm-hmm. because we can't actually influence at this point in time what is happening in the greater world. No one really knows what's going on, how this COVID came about. And obviously there's a lot of theories out there at the moment, but no one really knows what's going on. We've, we've only got a very small um, bowl of facts and science to go off at this point in time. Um, so it's really important, I think, to be compassionate and empathetic towards um, where other people are at so that we can move forward together um non-divided really mm. um, and also i do think think times like this although we've never experienced anything exactly like this before does make you realize what you have to be grateful for which i also think we don't do often enough no one of my um one of my practices is to once a day sit and list at least 10 things in my life that I'm grateful for and it seems really basic but it does actually have a massive impact on your day if you just go hang on a minute these are the things I have in my life rather than what we tend to do which is what you don't have in your life oh my god I haven't done this I'm not I'm not achieving I'm not good enough I don't have a partner I haven't had kids yet all those things But actually, there's so much to be grateful for and life is a gift. And sometimes we forget that.
1: No, that is true. How do you feel that yoga can help with those matters?
2: Yoga for me helped to ground me no matter what was going on. Because I actually came to yoga when um, I was still in the music industry. And the music industry... For me, having to be involved in the industry rather than just the creative side was very detrimental to my mental health. I don't think I was um, prepared for how much of myself I'd have to give in order to achieve within that industry. Um, So I was constantly in a turmoil. And I started going to yoga like it started off one class every couple of days and then at one point I was going three times a day because that was my escapism I guess that's what I was doing um but what it helped me to do was get a better understanding of what was going on within me and find a way to balance within that to find balance and peace to a certain extent and that doesn't Like you could go off on the spiritual tangent and say it's to do with that and it might well be. But for me, it was very physical. It was connecting my body and my mind and breath as one entity instead of seeing them as separate or experiencing them separately.
1: Mm
2: -hmm. I didn't realize how shallow I breathed every day and um, how unconnected those three things were actually. And as soon as they started connecting, then you feel it and you you want it to connect more. And so it becomes this thing where you just keep going back because it feels so good to, to feel that balance, which some, some of us have never felt before, I guess.
1: Do you meditate separately or do you use yoga as that chance to do that?
2: Yeah, I don't meditate. I'm really bad at um, sitting still, actually. <laughs> <laughs> so my meditation is movement and music, actually. I meditate yeah. through music. Um, often... If I get to the point where I feel emotional turmoil, my reaction to that is often to just sit down and write a song. So that that's for, I've got sort of outlet, different outlets for that. Um, but yoga is definitely one of them for sure. It's not the answer to everything. I'm not going to sit here and say yoga will heal all, which you know you do hear a lot because it won't. But it's definitely a great foundation and has been a consistent foundation for me for, I don't
1: know, eight, eight years now. Wow. That's good. I th- I, 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 agree with you personally. I always find yoga very difficult, um, in the <laughs> flexibility wise. I, I, I used to do it. I, I've switched to Pilates now cause I don't,
0: yeah.
1: I pref- it just, it just helps me stabilize more, but I, I've always, I get tight very, very quickly. So, always found the yoga quite difficult.
2: You do a lot of running, don't you? Though.
1: Yeah, yeah. So Pilates does help with that. Um, I must admit, when when I did I did it, I did one recently. I find it quite meditative compared to Pilates. It is, it is, does have that effect. With
2: yeah, the breathing's very different in Pilates mm-hmm. to yoga. I can't actually do Pilates because I've instilled a yogic breath. Um, the Pilates breath, that like quite quick breathing, isn't it? It freaks me out, makes me like feel like I'm hyperventilating now. but um, I do I don't know if it helps, but I was the least flexible human being, like the least flexible. Really? I couldn't touch my toes, I had sciatica. I routinely became like completely immovable in the gym and had to go from the gym to an osteopath. Right. Like, I used to just run 5K every day and everything was cardio and impactful. And um, I hated yoga so much. It made me so angry. Like, I was just like, oh, I can't do this. I'm just I'm really annoyed and everyone else looks so elegant. And um, actually, somebody said to me, I think at the time, you know, it makes you angry because you need it. You, resi- it's resistance against what you need. And um, actually, I think you give it about two weeks and you start to see a difference. Like even with the most tight people I see, if they, if they repeatedly put, put the effort in for a couple of weeks, they start to feel enough of a difference to make them want to carry on. Mm-hmm. Um, but as I've developed my training over the years, I try to train every year. My um, practice and my teaching has moved quite far away from traditional yoga, uh, which is why um, my website's actually called Third Wave Yoga. Um, It was based on the coffee waves, actually. (laughs) Because, obviously, Bolshevik coffee is is third wave coffee, right? So um, that was the idea for me. You know, the first wave is, is us deeming that we can drink coffee um, and then the second was it coming over to the west and Starbucks and everything. I'm, I'm 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 making this very brief because <laughs> <as> you <laughs> already know. But and then the third wave was obviously really understanding the extraction and 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 that for me is where I'm at with yoga. Like I went through the traditional training and I've done several different layers of training since. I the understanding of anatomy now has evolved so much since those initial initial practices were developed that for me, we have to take that into consideration. We have to weave that in. Otherwise, you're just very rigid in what you teach and what you believe. So my practice and teaching is ever-evolving. And I'd like to think the way I teach now is much more accessible for people who are not flexible, <laughs> <laughs> basically. <laughs> so it for me I've moved m- way away from holding a pose being the goal that for me is completely irrelevant. It doesn't matter how long you can hold a difficult mm. posture for or how impressive it looks what matters is you can move your body in life for as long as possible. You know without constantly getting injured or being in pain that you're connected that you understand what your body needs when that you respond to that, that you're equally as strong as you are flexible, and that you have mobility and your joints are healthy. That's what I'm interested in. I could not mm. care less whether you can handstand or do a backbend that looks like a gymnast. That doesn't.
1: I, I find that I reckon a lot of people are put off by yoga because they feel self-conscious and and that they're, they're out of the depth. I think that I'll, I reckon there's quite a lot of people who probably do a couple of sessions and are like, oh no. And to, like you say, getting past that gap, but they probably need that nurturing help through, so they don't feel self conscious about it.
2: I think it is hard with social media because everything's visual, Mm. and even even incredible teachers that I know their teachings are very empathetic and and they would really help all kinds of people. If you look at their Instagram, a lot of the time it's just them in contorted poses because that's what gets likes and you can't blame them for kind of doing it because that's what propels them in, in that stratosphere. But actually it does make it um, non-inclusive, which is a problem mm. because the whole idea of yoga is that it should be for everybody. There should be something for everyone there.
1: Yeah. I want something I want to get my, I mean my kids are three. I'd, I'd like them to start doing some sort of yoga now, because they actually, they, they do enjoy it. We do sit down and try and meditate. Probably try and just try and keep them still for two minutes, but, <laughs> yeah. but they, um, they are receptive to it. I think I just, I'm really interested in it in lots of like growth that you could do, you know, whether it's health and uh, nutrition and, and things mm. that can get adapted in the subconscious early because you...
2: yeah, it's like languages you know kids mm. can be bilingual trilingual mm. much easier than it is for an adult to learn a new language so that's sort of instilled in them at a young age same with movement just that if you lift your arm if you lift your arm whilst you inhale that that immediately is more connected than a, a non-conscious movement so like just stuff like that, just really basic stuff like inhale, lift your arms, exhale, lower your arms. The, just... breathing,
1: the breathing's hard. the breathing's the hard part though, isn't it? Once you get the breathing yeah. right. But yeah. I, find, I find quite a lot of instructors are really, they don't really talk about the breath much. So they'll be going through it as if people know and you kind of, oh, should I be inhaling or exhaling here? And, yeah. and then, sometime, but then you lose it. And then the whole point of it is the breath, like you said before, to be in synergy with your physical mm-hmm. self as well.
2: But it does it does just happen, which is really annoying. It's really annoying when people say that. But the breath for me was one of the hardest things. And then one day it just clicked. And I was like, whoa, <laughs> this is a whole different world. And actually it's impacted my music and my singing and my actual range. I've got quite a limited range. I've got quite a low register and um, yoga has definitely increased my vocal range and the how I can sustain a note and things like that just from and I did all sorts of breathing breath training and um, for singing but none of it had the impact that yoga has I think it's difficult with instructors um, in general yoga classes because there's always so many different people in there, some who've never done yoga and others who literally come to every single one of your class and it's kind of keeping everyone happy, which is quite quite difficult. Mm. But I do think an emphasis on the breath should always be a priority regardless.
1: Mm. Well, obviously there's diff- there's lots of different types of yoga.
2: Yeah.
1: I mean, where do, you, where do you focus your attention on?
2: Um I can't really give my yoga a style um, because because of it being this sort of new wave where people are looking at anatomy in a different way, there's not really a name for what I do yet. Um,
1: That's good, surely.
2: Yeah. And there are people that it's definitely becoming more common, but it's not got a name the way Ashtanga has or, you know, Vinyasa. It couldn't be called any of those things, even though it's got influences from them. So it's sort of, it's a new wave, which was, which was, reason for the name but there are other practitioners i know and that have heavily influenced me like um a woman called julie martin and she calls it brahmani yoga but that's hers like mine is third wave yoga so it's not again it's not a style it's it's her own creation
1: mm. where do you want to take your well your yoga website and your career your and
2: um i'm very bad at looking too far into the future you could say bad or good i try and be pre- as present as i possibly can mm-hmm. um, i'd like to expand um my website says so at the moment i think most of the people i i know personally or um they're like one or two degrees of separation and they're definitely mostly but based in the northwest mm-hmm. so i'd love to be able to to reach more people um, eventually, globally, that would be amazing. If I could connect with people from all over the world, and and they could be practicing yoga with me, that'd be amazing. But um, you know, that's a big, that's a long term goal. And then also, I'm working on new music at the moment. That would be amazing if I actually believe in myself enough to release it at some point. Yeah. <laughs> so that's a uh, career wise stuff, um, or creatively and then other than that just to just to keep putting into community make make that more of a priority and um making people a priority actually i think is is important to me people not just people that are directly connected to you not just family and friends but giving back to the community that you also take from is it's something I want to be way more aware of.
1: Do you find that you do, do sometimes you not do things because you you don't feel confident? Is there anything you've ever put on the back foot because you yeah? yeah like what
2: always? And the problem is, I think I shoot myself in the foot because I come across as confident oh, because okay. that is learned. <laughs> We're you going to
1: say that. That's what I was going to that's say.
2: Behavior because yeah. it had that's what you have to do if you're going to put anything creative forward. But it's tiring if it's if it doesn't come naturally to you. I, I'm as much as an extrovert as I am an introvert. I'm not all the way one or all the way the other. And I do. I, I never ever struggled with being in front of people when I was playing music because I just get into the music and I was sharing music and it wasn't. It felt. It feels totally different. But then to then say afterwards, here's my music. Listen to it. That's something I couldn't, I've never, I still can't do it. Someone asked me for some music the other day so they could hear what, what I write and everything. And it took me three days to send it. And then I just felt sick afterwards. <laughs> and I think, I mean, I think a lot of that is ego based and it's fear of rejection, I guess. It's that thing we all have. Um, but I actually made a new friend recently and we get on really well because we're both very straight talking like very honest and he was like well basically you just get in your own way don't you that's what's happening you just need to stop making the music about you you're making something creative and that deserves to be shared with the world and however it's received isn't up to you it's not it's not your problem and I was like well you've got a point there actually
1: <laughs> yeah it's difficult isn't it because you're automatically as a human um a lot of well i know a lot of people on the same boat is that you everyone worries too much probably what other people think about them and that yeah. that that can stop a lot of things you know i'm not going to do that cuz i don't know what people think when really ultimately that shouldn't really matter no when... and it's
2: weird because um, socially i guess in my day-to-day life i'm pretty i'm pretty alright with myself and i do think i'd rather be honest with people mm. um, and they know who I who I am and what I'm about, then then people please or try and make people like me. If they don't like me, maybe we just weren't supposed to connect on that level, and that's fine. There's nothing wrong with that. And I used to, when I was a lot younger, be upset if someone didn't like me, or and now I just think, well, would we have liked each other? Were we meant to have a friendship? Probably not. So it's really not a big deal. There are millions of people in the world. You know, we've done each other a favor by just being really upfront with that. So, but there's something about the creative process that I've always struggled with having that same ethos for.
1: Mm. Well, people shouldn't judge people though, do they? Because they don't, and this is the other thing, they don't know what's going on.
2: Yeah. I mean, we all do it a bit, don't we? We're all a bit judgy, yeah. even even when you think you're not. <laughs> so, yeah, definitely. But, but yeah, it, it's hard not to, and everyone is everyone is dealing with something and it's all relative, you know, even though it might not be, seem as extreme as what you're dealing with, it's still relative in their life.
0: Mm.
1: Good. And who are you, just back to music, who are your musical influences?
2: They are broad and they've changed dramatically over the years. Um, but I reckon my number one influence for songwriting was Tracy Chapman. All right. Um, I think a lot of people just associate her with fast that, that album that Fast Car was on and then sort of forgot about her. But she's got this epic um, discography that just stunning social, political observation, really, with this shattering emotional voice that just hit me. It hit me everywhere. And um, she, I think she's the first artist... That I'd really listened to that was was covering social um politics and the injustices in the world um but with so much emotion that you couldn't not listen it was probably my first education on white privilege actually and um made that really was it was the beginning of a journey of learning of my own privilege and and you know the differences um in society and what i hadn't had to deal with and what other people had and i'm indebted to tracy chapman for that life right. lesson um so she's like she's the the big number one but you know there've been there've been many influences i'd love to say i was really cool from a very young age but i went <laughs> went through a lot of influences that people my age would have listened to like Alanis Morissette and Sheryl Crow and, and all that crew. Um, Ocean Colour Scene were oh. big in our house. <laughs> uh, the Beatles obviously got played all the time. Um, Phoebe Snow was another one my parents listened to a lot. Um, Clapton and all that stuff. But once I'd moved away from home, I, I went way more towards hip-hop, and I mean, the 90s was amazing for R&B, so obviously that whole era of when when I started being able to go out and clubbing and drinking it was all just the best R&B <laughs> all the time so and now there's it's sort of an eclectic mix of everything but um there's just so much incredible music coming out at the moment I could just spend whole days on Spotify yeah like if you haven't listened to her yet Celeste I don't know if you've listened to Celeste but no. She's an incredible artist, and I actually watched her interview the other day on the Jules Holland thing he's been doing through lockdown. And just such an eloquent young woman with just so easy to listen to, and her the way she interviews is the way she <laughs> writes music. So she's one to check out. But yeah, just does incredible. There's a lot of incredible female um, songwriters and producers at the moment, actually, like Charlotte Day. Wilson is another one who's just working with everyone and just making incredible music. And the reggae scene's getting more integrated in mainstream. So the coffee's been really good for doing that coffee with a K.
0: Yeah.
2: Which I guess is relevant for this podcast. <laughs> um, and obviously like people like Maverick Sabre have been going for ages but just seem to evolve and adapt with the times. And yeah, I think it's quite an exciting time for music even though obviously the live scene and the,
0: mm. that, that,
2: that's dwindling and we don't know when we're getting it back. But I think as a result, a lot of creative people are are going inward and writing some incredible music.
1: Mm-hmm. If you put your, and you put yourself in that bracket. <laughs>
2: <laughs> I definitely would put incredible in front of it, but I've definitely, yeah, there's, there's a lot of music pouring out of me at the moment. Yeah. Um,
1: yeah you do post that online though don't you?
2: Yeah occasionally when the mood strikes what I try and do with with social media is um, it be more lifestyle and honest about who I am without having to give so much of myself away Um, so it's not all it is called I think it's called I don't even know I think it's called third wave yoga but it's hey Carrie Anne, but I think the headline is third wave yoga but To me, yoga is a whole way of being. It's not just movement. It's like that connection, connection to self-connection with other people. And honesty as well is huge for me. That's like a huge thing that I try and weave into my being. And so I've tried to put that across in social media and like, you know, that I'm just, I'm not polished. I'm not, I don't always get it right. I constantly fuck up. And I try and <laughs> make sure, like I, I swear, I accidentally swear a lot in my yoga videos, <laughs> or just say really inappropriate things. So um, I've tried to share that on social media because I don't want people to think that because I do this that that's what my life looks like. Because it doesn't. Um, so the same with music. Like music is a huge part of me, even though it it doesn't go under that header for most people of yoga. I do try and also share a bit of that as well. There's more of a scope of stuff on there, I guess.
1: No, that's cool. I'm glad you like Ocean Colour Scene.
2: <laughs> you know, I went to um, Glastonbury years and years and years ago. I couldn't even tell you the year, but it was when Ocean Colour Scene on a lineup wouldn't have been unusual. And um, the lead singer and one other member in the band was doing an acoustic set and none of my friends were asked. And so I just went off on one on my own to find this set and I I just watched him and cried all the way through because it was just to hear all the tunes done acoustically and it was so nostalgic as well. And as a result, I spent the rest of Glastonbury on my own because I couldn't find anyone again, but it was totally worth it. I was like, I don't even care. <laughs> it was
1: worth it. It was a, it was a great band. Actually, just interesting. That it triggers emotions. It just took me back to uh, getting taken to school. I used to listen to Ocean Color Scene just back to back to tracks like Debris Road and stuff like yeah. that. Yeah, it's, that's mad. But yeah it But uh, mad.
2: They had such a great balance of lyrically, they were great, which is always really important to me. But the riffs they used to get in there and the, like, the loops, um, of, of just memorable music that you, I could still just reel off now you know and then you know you'd start doing it in a room full of people and half those people if they're over the age of 30 was also yes. Joining. Yes.
0: <laughs>
2: but there was that I think around that time I was heavily into 07 as well and they were like so different but a lot I know a lot of people that would have been into both of those those bands and they sort of stand the same amount of years. Um, and there some of the best gigs, I've set, best live shows I've ever seen were, were also 07 around that time. Cool. It's that same nostalgic feel, I think.
1: For this, it's getting a bit like Desert Island Discs. <laughs> 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 Just going back a little bit on, um, what, would, what advice would you give, how they can maybe help themselves in, in a difficult period?
2: difficult one isn't it but um what I would say is be kind to yourself and I'm saying this to myself as well I think we can expect so much of ourselves all the time mm-hmm. and if we're not achieving and we're not ticking boxes we think that we're failing at life Yeah. but actually none of us have had to deal with anything like this before and we can compare it to wars and whatever and and say it's not as bad, which obviously it's not in so many ways, but it doesn't take away from the fact that none of us have had to deal with this before and therefore probably aren't really that equipped to deal with it. Um, And so I think it's really important to nourish yourself every day and remember that you are dealing with something that you've never had to deal with before and you don't necessarily know how your body and mind are gonna react. And as a result, you may be seeing parts of your personality come up to the surface that you haven't seen before. Or like you're getting more frustrated than you normally would. Your patience is, is low. And then I think, I know that when I'm like that, I, I can beat myself up about it. And that's not going to help anything or anyone around you. So my personal advice is when you're feeling exhausted or like, overwhelmed actually just let yourself feel overwhelmed sit with it think about how you're feeling and what would actually make you feel some comfort in that time know that it's temporary and do the thing right now do the thing that's going to offer you some comfort um whether it's talking to someone whether it's making yourself a meal like I find we can get really really lazy with food. When you're just you're just in the house all the time, and you've done every meal in your repertoire because you've been on lockdown for months. Um, but the difference in how it's going to make you feel if you actually make yourself a nutritional nutritious meal yourself, or yourself and your family, or do that together and sit down together, and still keep things certain things consistent. That's really going to nourish you in more ways than just you know. What you're, what you're eating, it's gonna nourish your brain and your whole being. So I think it's really important that we don't always associate being kind to ourselves with being lazy or being um, overindulgent because that's not the case. Like sometimes it's the case, but right now I think it's really important that, that we're kind to ourselves and each other. This, this, is, a, this is an anomaly. Mm. What we're dealing with—it's
1: very easy to be hard on yourself, isn't it? And then, mm. then actually self-reflecting on it um, can be difficult. Where yeah. you should maybe accept it. I mean, if you go and talk to people about it or you do any therapy, that's one of the first things that they will
2: tell you. I think also being kind uh, to each other and patient with each other, and maybe a bit more tolerant because everybody's reacting in. In different ways, and um, it is a it is a need for control. And you know, again, I say that same thing to myself. It's very easy to be like that person's literally lost the plot. <laughs> but you know, you've got to ask why they've lost the plot and what in what ways are they not being supported? Because we're all really good at looking at our own situation um, and only seeing our own situation because we can't physically be, in, be and feel someone else's situation, but we can at least try to understand it a little better and what their triggers might be and why um, they're responding to this the way they are. Um, and it's not always easy. Uh, so I think just a bit of understanding for self, a bit more understanding for self and others is what we could all all be doing, myself included.
1: How can people get in touch with you regarding yoga or music or anything to do with your business?
2: The best way to actually get hold of me is on Instagram. Um, I'm not good at juggling many social media platforms, so I generally put my energies into Instagram. Um, and it's Hey Anne, spelled hey as in H-E-Y, not as in hey that horses eat. And um Anne with a double R and a double N, C-A-R-R-I-A-N-N-E. And... Um, that's my Instagram tag, and that is for everything, really. There is a music Instagram, but I haven't really put anything on it yet. So I'll, I'll talk about that on my main Instagram page when there's anything worth listening to on there. Um, and then the website is www.thirdwaveyoga.com, and it's a subscription-based website, so it's $14.99 a month for all-you-can-eat yoga. Essentially. Well, wow, that's good. Yeah, so it's pre-recorded and each class is is sort of taps into different areas that you might want to go into. So say you've got super tight hips and you want something that focuses on that, there's a whole section of classes that deal with hips, even though generally most do anyway. But you know, anything that goes more into that and same with core and like thighs and hamstrings, things like that. So you can use it that way or you can just do any, any flow when you feel like it and see what you get.
1: Great. Well, thanks again for coming on and hopefully lots of people will check that out.
2: Yeah, that'd be nice. Go, all go and do yoga and the lockdown will be well better.
1: There you go. <laughs>
0: said it's okay we're in the same boat you can relax so i lay my cards down and place them right there in your lap this conversation should have filled my skin with relief I'm laid open with a feeling I don't want to be I didn't know that I would. You said I dance like only.